Hey, Ryan, we want to remind people that we have uh, created a LinkedIn group for the Digital Broker Podcast. Both Ryan and I monitor the comments and questions that are there. The episodes are posted there. Uh, Comment on a particular episode if there's something you didn't understand, something we didn't explain well enough, a question you might have. Uh, go ahead and leave those comments there, and we'll uh, we'll monitor those, we'll respond to those, and we may post our own questions to you um, well, as you as you uh, go to the group. So, to join, you just go go into the search bar. It's on the top left of that LinkedIn screen. Uh, search for Digital Broker Podcast, and and make sure you choose groups. And then uh, you'll need to request to join, and we'll uh, quickly uh, get that approved as fast as we can. And then you'll be part of that group and able to. Uh, interact with us, ask questions, and let us know what you think. And as we see stuff, we'll give you a shout out, like uh, Olivia Smith. I think she's our like super fan, you know, <laughs> but she had a great, great comment on how to leverage data effectively, and it's something that we'll, we'll have a podcast on. But I think both you and I, Steve, we want to have a community. You know, we don't want to be talking at people. We want to be talking with people. And this is a way that we can build that community. I'm all about collaboration. I feel like you have a collaborative spirit. That's why we get along so effectively. And we want to bring these agencies and these folks that want to help make it better into this space. And so that's what it's about. So I'll try to, 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 to post stuff in there. But please don't be afraid to, to post any questions, anything you want. You know, let's, let's make it really cool for 2019. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio software helps agencies save time and money by turning the application and renewal process into digitally enhanced online forms. Take all your applications, put them into one electronic form, send that electronic form to your client, and Indio software will populate back to all those applications. Yeah, I'm going to add, um, I was just on the NetView income forum, and somebody had asked a question about Indio, and current user uh, wrote this back. I just copied it out. We are using Indio and absolutely love it. It's a way of automating, managing, and streamlining the application process. Uh, So that's from an actual user. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome back to the Digital Broker Podcast. I'm Steve Anderson here along with my co-host Ryan Deeds, and uh, fortunately we're sitting across from each other, which we like to do so we can kind of look at each other. and just better. It's just a better conversation. We've tried over the phone and Zoom and all of those kinds of things. So, Ryan, today we want to talk about producer compensation. Often talked about in the sales arena or area, but it really has a a big impact on operations and what happens and the expenses, obviously, that are incurred by an agency and broker around the sales expense. Well, I think it is interesting because I've been looking at a lot of these agencies' data, right? I've I've got access to a bunch of agencies' data now. And one of the things that I'm seeing is the smaller the organizations, oftentimes the more complex the commission schedules are. Like, oh, interesting. Okay. Because they're, it seems like they're more apt to cut one-on-one deals, one-off deals, right, than a larger organization who's maybe 
has a, they, a they have a they have a schedule right a, a, a more structured a structure thing here's if you're here you do this if so it's 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 actually a data point that I'm trying to figure out like if I analyze your invoicing and if I saw 30 different commission percentages that you're paying out to producers I'm going to probably be able to go ahead and talk to your accounting people and be like that's a frustration for you Right. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a pain. Because I mean, they have to keep track. Operationally. Who gets what? That's right. right. And then the re- it changes on new, once it flips to renewal. And so, and so I thought it was a good conversation for us to have about, you know, what's the, is there an optimum structure is, is. And the, and as you said, I like that the operational impact of compensation schedules. Right. That right? you would never think that of. I, you said that and my mind went, huh, that's actually a, a complication Especially if you have so many different ones that how do you keep, how do you even keep track of that? So do you want your CFO or your accounting team to be worried about that? Or do you want them to be worried about, hey, am I getting enough money from the carriers? Am I getting enough this, that, and the other? So I, it's just a small nuance that I I really just became apparent as I was comparing a couple firms. And I was like, man, they're smaller, but they have so many different commissions than these guys that are larger. And have you been able to identify kind of why they have so many? Well, I mean, it almost looks like... It, Every deal for some agencies has kind of a handshake rule. Like, yeah, I'll give you 20 on this. It's almost all referred business, right? So okay. I'm, I'm I'm partnering, two producers are partnering together. And so maybe one's taken 10 and one for this deal and one's right. taken 30. It just depends. And then you have your base commissions. So let's start there. I mean, in your opinion today, on average, what, what do you see for an average commission percentage for new business? Uh, I would say still 40, maybe 35, right. but 35 to 40% uh, percent of revenue on a new business account uh, is is what I see. And do you like to see a higher new commission than a renewal commission? Do you like to see a higher renewal commission or do you like to see them the same? I mean, and is there strategic implications of those? Well, I think there's definitely strategic implications. So... I would say typical, and again, averages, sure. right? But 40% new, maybe 25, yep. sometimes 30, but 25 renewal. And I believe very strongly you get the behavior you reward. There you go. Exactly right. Right? So yeah. 40% new means, okay, I get new. But if I'm getting 25 or 30 renewal, now I'm only I'm getting ten or fifteen percent on new business. New business is a lot harder than renewal. Right. So am I rewarding sitting on my book versus am I rewarding going out and getting new business? Now certainly there's there's sales mindset of I'm hunter gatherer and I want to go out. I'm you know I'm I'm good at closing. I'm all of those kinds of things. But I think the biggest issue I see. A, in a lot of agencies around this, and again, it impacts operations significantly, is I built a book of business, I worked hard for X, 10, 15 years, and now I can coast. Right, the RIP. And, and coast is maybe too strong a word. Well, like retire but, in place. But I, mean, all of us I don't have a, as much incentive right. or desire, and frankly, you know, I might be tired. I worked really hard, and by the way, isn't that what we sold? to bring them in. Well, that's, that's the challenge. I mean, because I think, you, you know, so often producer compensation is tied to producer recruitment, right? Yes. And so, but I, I do see a, a challenge. Like I've run into agencies that are paying 35, 35. Okay. 
And my question's always like, well, what is the producer doing on the renewal? Right. Right? Like, I mean, if you're operationally, if your producer's operationally involved with the renewal, then I can tell you that your, op, that your producer's going to cap out at a million dollars, probably, mm-hmm. real close to that. Because, so then maybe if they're running above a million dollars, you've brought in an AE. Well, if you've brought in an AE, are you paying, and in, and in this context, an AE would be a high-level employee that knows segments of insurance very, very effectively that helps institutionalize the relationships to the folks that are dealing with the insurance on the client site, which is different than the producer who's generally talking to the decision makers at the, right. at the yep. site. And so, but the AEs are not a low cost option. I mean, they, you know, that's an eighty to $120,000 a year employee in a lot of cases that depends on bonuses. And so does the producer on a book with an AE still keep 40 points or do they, does operations, I, I just feel like we've seen a lot of advancement. When you look at what operations has to deliver to sell accounts today, be that analytics or benchmarking or the portals, the multitude of things that you have to deal with. I have, I've seen that expectation increase from the client side, the consumer side. I have not seen the, the corresponding reduction, reduction, right? Because the agencies providing more of those tools and incurring the, the cost, right. Right. For providing those tools. Right. You, cer- you certainly see that uh, really clear in health uh, group benefits where they're providing all kinds of, Tons of tools. other tools and right. services around that. And that, that actually is what they're selling is the services that happens to be the medical insurance around it. But I think that's very true. And again, we talked in a previous episode about uh, who's responsible for producing leads, right? right? New new um, prospects. And what is the agency incurring in terms of expense producing that? Or, and I would say traditionally, the producer developing their, their own leads. And, and so an example there is, uh, again, an agency I was in in Texas, uh, we had created a very specific marketing and follow-up system that the producer could elect to be part of or not. But if they elected to be part of it, they got a lower, I think it was five points lower commission. Right. Because the agency was incurring all the expense of managing that. They had a person, a staff person managing that day to day. But the idea was if all of that follow-up, follow-through contact is being done by the agency, you'll make more because you'll have better opportunities and the ones you work on will have a higher close. And your, and your touch points will be way your, less. Your time will be better. Your time is way less. No, I mean, personally, if I generate the lead operationally and give it to a producer, that should be like 20 points on, on the new side. I mean, because your touch and should be... And if we have any producers listening to this, they're like going nuts right now. I mean, we have to acknowledge the fact I, that... I understand. And I understand <clears throat> that the strategy, the challenge right now, the primary challenge for most agencies is getting producers to get in there and produce, right? Yes. That is, that's, if you talk to 12 CEOs, 11 of them would probably say, that's my biggest struggle right now. And so they come up with some pretty crazy compensation to, to be able to entice those in there. And I'm saying, as you work that strategy, you better be working your whole productionless generation strategy as well. I mean, in this mix, right, mm-hmm. where you don't need a producer to generate revenue because you're not going to be able to scale those very effectively. I just don't see that our current production model scaling very effectively. But I, I think that producers are their own worst enemies sometimes because they want everything. We want high commission. We want high growth. We want high return on the stock. 
And you can't have all of that. Right. You got to give up something. We want a lot of capabilities. Mm -hmm. Well, if you've got high commission and high growth on the stock, that means you're not investing in the capabilities, mm -hmm. right? If you're able to come off five points of your commission, reallocate that back to operational capability, and you do that with a smile, then, hey, you're good to go, right? So often, though, you have shareholders that are strictly producers and not thinking about... Right. Not for the organization. That's right. Their own their own book, their own compensation, their own. So I want to go back to um, your question in asking, you know, what impact does compensation have? So in the one case, uh, retired in place, I think was the term you used. So if we shift compensation to 60, 70% new, 10% renewal. I would way rather. I, I mean, now what is that? What, I mean, obviously, the again, you problem get the there, behavior, your reward. I, see, I would do that if it was based on retaining that account for three years. Okay. Because so then you could just get roll right anything or on the on the news. Because the problem is right now on agencies that are paying fifty points or more, and there are a, a bunch of them out there. But if you don't retain that account for three years, you're shooting yourself in the foot. No question. And operationally, it's well, you're gonna have your income. And you, I mean, and you'll see that in your salary to income ratio, right? When that that metric will be off. You're, okay. So explain that a little bit more. Salary to income. Your your salary to revenue. So your gross revenues. You, your 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 overall salary will be a higher percentage than benchmark says it should be. If you are selling at a high percentage of commission and not retaining accounts, okay, and that's that's non-commission income, right? That's sa staff salary. No, that's commission because that's all commission in income, right? Right. Okay. Because think, because if I pay sixty <clears throat> points on a hundred thousand dollar account, I pay sixty thousand dollars, and we we retain it for eighteen months. Now we turn that over. We're never able to really recoup the other money that the we're costs for the new business stuff. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. And the producers walk in, I mean, it just depends on how it's paid, obviously, but I would think that you could pay higher percentages if it was based on the retention of that account. That would protect you from churn. I mean, churn is a is a bastard and it costs a ton of money. Right. And oftentimes, because retention is thought of secondarily, it's, it's not calculated in compensation. I'm seeing more and more clawback stuff now, though, not based on retention as much as sales growth. Like... If you hit one hundred and fifty thousand, you'll you'll stay at your standard commission, or you get two extra points. If you don't, you get a clawback. Mm -hmm. Of course, the first thing I think about is the the waves that you create in accounting when you do that kind yes. of crap. Yes, I mean, again, that's, the that's operational I, aspects of right. managing that, or right. even monitoring that. How do you actually do that? But that is a strategy that I've seen put in place. I mean, so I think so. Again, you get if you have higher first year, which honestly is for most industries the standard. Right. You know, you get highs. Think of think of, even in our own insurance industry. Think of the typical life insurance. It's all front loaded, right? Which is why most life insurance agents are prospecting machines. That's right. right? They have they to because they, they, they don't have, have recurring to, revenue. They don't every have. Year. They, they may have a little residual, but right, it's, but it's negligible. It's negligible. Yeah, exactly. So you certainly have that. So you're all, you know, again, all prospecting. What what that would mean operationally is you ha need to have. Uh, specific focus on customer experience from the staff, not from the producer. Right now, most right. producers manage that customer relationship because, again, renewals are important to them in terms of their ongoing compensation and building that, that book of business that does provide that recurring revenue. So operationally, you'll need to be really focused on 
staff, account managers, you know, the reallocation, the fulfillment of the promises that are being made. So the retention of that works. But I mean, if you were doing 60, 20, even, I think that that would be a, you could have extremely successful producers, have a lot of capability that's still there, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that would work. I would way rather pay high on the front side than pay on the renewal because you're paying forever. I mean, you pay 35, 35. I think you're incentivizing the wrong behavior because you're saying the new business and retention are exactly the same for a producer. I, I think organizationally, they probably have the same weight. I mean, from a from a revenue standpoint, but from a producer, what should you be focused on, Mr. Go out and get me some new business, right? I want to incentivize that behavior more than, but if you don't operationally have the stuff in place to be able to do that, yeah. you know? And, and I have seen a few, and it, it really is a few organizations who really separate producer and account executive, yeah. right? So producer is the out there going, blowing close. Yep. And then they they turn over to the account executive who is a a producer without, without, without a lot of times the, the, without the the new business development. So that now you're maximizing, right? right? You have, you've got some people who are new business development people. Um, and that's their skill set. You've got some people who are real relationship building long-term. Let me go in. Here's the problem. Here's how we can solve it. And that typically is more of, again, account executive idea. Uh, and they get, percentage, right. you know, smaller, they get some kicker they get on retention, retention, on retention or, or, you know, any of those kinds of things. So that's just a, another way to think about how to develop. But it allows you and to again, scale. That model, though, allows, allows you, you to scale. scale way that produ- if the producer doesn't waste that time reallocated, right? So if I bring in an AE and I save you five hours a day because you're not having to mess with the freaking renewals... Right. And you go and turn now you're, that now into now you're working on more. That's right. Opportunities. You won't see a 1.8 million dollar book without a significant team behind it. There's no just, question. There's, there's, there's no way. Right. No, I agree. And so an AE is just an operational model that somebody's come up with to say, hey, this is a way that that we can put the renewal stuff to a professional face that still has personal relationships, allow the producer to parachute in for a golf game, shake a hand, and go to the next one. Right. I mean that that's the vision behind it. Right. But it takes a lot of trust. I mean, there's a lot of things there. A lot of things there. I, yeah, I don't think either one of us are suggesting this is is easy. But it's important in terms of... I think you uh, should evaluate your, and understand why you have the commission schedules you have. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's because somebody started, you know, X number of years ago. Now they have a producer that's been there 20 years, has a great book of business, still produces, has all the relationships. And, and of course, we can't change that. Right. Right. But if we're operating a business... What's the long-term revenue potential by continuing that versus and and again so so how do you manage that how, how do you manage the the see I think it's such a producer con- that's doing a million dollars and now you're trying to bring in some new blood which we need to do right. um, average age of a producer according to the latest best practices study is forty nine and a half we need to be bringing in new people can you have two tiers. You know, can I, you have to, can you have the new, here's what it is now. Yeah, they got, they got more, but they were here 20 years ago. Well, I think, you, I think, you know, in most agencies today, you're going to have your validating bench, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have your non-owner producers, right? You're going to have your owner producers mm-hmm. and then you're going to have your senior tour. I mean, wh- however you look at most agencies, I don't care if that's one person, in each one of those buckets, right? You typically have that delineated out that way. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think that if you can create 
names and areas for those, then you have ability to do different things on an operationally efficient way, right? It's not because you're Bob. It's because, Bob, you are you are a verified producer or whatever the hell you want to call them, mm -hmm. you know? But no, I think you you need to start explaining to your producers as well that what it's costing you to generate these capabilities that your clients are requesting to be able to sell stuff. Right. And how much do you want to pay if you want to provide this to your client? Well, because it's not on the like it's back, not free, and it's not on the golf course anymore. Like back right. in the day, it was because you guys had really good relationships. There was not such a significant differentiation between a bad agent and a great agent. It was all relationship driven. But now, I mean, when you see some of the stuff that these some of these agencies are developing, you've got to figure out how do you keep up with that. Because they're going to go out to golf with you, shake your hand, and say, "I like you a whole lot," but man, this man, this thing is awesome. This, this stuff will this make me money in my business. This is going to save me. That's yeah. correct. This is a better. My value. profit's going to be better because right. of these services that other agents providing to me. And but if the producers are willing to at least look at that and say, "You know what? We, let's talk about comp. Let's come off two points on either side of that and reallocate that back to capabilities." I mean, to me, that helps all parties. Mm -hmm. You know, and so. I just think there has to be a continue. Too often, producer discussions are left at the upper, upper, upper leadership level, right? These are the owners that came from the production ranks. I believe you need more input to that because you have operations folks that are doing more than they've ever had to do with before. Well, and I want to delve in a comment you made a little bit ago around just the accounting issues. So um, huge issue around uh, account differences. So count current from the carrier agency, what their system management system shows is what's due. Seldom do they match. And a lot of that is because the invoice at the agency at the very desk level was didn't have the right commission, didn't. Or they didn't you know, know. I mean, they put they it in. Know. You yeah. put it in 15 days before binding or something like that. So you don't know the full amount. Maybe you don't go and audit it or edit it or whatever. I mean, and so, again, it's not like a negligence. It's just. It's how the process works, but yes. No, that, but the more complexity you introduce, oh yeah, the more, the more errors, errors are going to come in. I mean, I, that's my point, and I'm not sure many agency owners think about the problems they're creating by having a complex commission, producer commission schedule, much less figuring out the right commission from the carrier. That's right. right? Well, we've got I, two aspects to that that uh, get, get really complicated. And that's, what, you know, one of the core reasons we used analytics was to help try to remove excuses from producers to worry about if they're getting paid yeah. enough, right? Because I do think that is a constant worry of a producer. I'm a, I'm a producer. I'm selling business. Is the carrier giving us the money that we're supposed to? Is the agency giving me the money I'm supposed to? The more convoluted, complex, opaque you make that, the more they walk around wondering if they're getting screwed. Right. The less energy they're putting into selling that new business. No question. And so to me, I, I think while there is certain advantages to that, to the you might get some short-term wins to do these special deals, I would really take a look at your commission schedule, see if you can create some kind of normalcy in the process and then create some kind of process to reevaluate if it's fair and if it's right. I mean, when you look at the allocation of what you're spending today operationally, take that back 10 years ago and then do the calculation on how, what that What's growth happened, has been right. comparative to what their reduction should have been in, in commission. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, it, it is, it's astounding to me coming off of an ops team that we never, and it's because we were so scared to talk about production oh and yeah producers. it's, it's kind of a topic you don't talk about no man the, you, you don't talk about change in producer compensation uh, no it doesn't come up a and it's how, how do i want to phrase this uh, it's a significant issue 
for the agency as a business. Absolutely. Right? Because it is it is impacting the profitability. And, and agents are already – I mean, agencies are already profitable. And so maybe you don't have to worry about it. But I've seen but agency, is that going to continue? Yeah. What what precedent are you setting now for the next five, ten years uh, that moving out? Right. I mean, I've seen, you know, I've gotten calls and said, hey, our, our income to revenue ratio is all out of whack. Can you come out and take a look at this? And can you do technology solutions? And you're like, well, you're paying 50, 45. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do for you. Right. You know, I mean, not, not very much. I said, if you reduce that 45 to 35, even if you buy down to get there, mm-hmm. That's your long-term win. You're going to be able to do more with those 10 points than I can ever provide you technologically, right. you know? And so I just think that it needs to be, you need to pull it out of the closet owners, let your other, let your folks talk about it and have a discussion about it. Obviously your job is to attract producers and you have to keep that compensation uh, in a competitive place, but understand what those decisions make, the ramifications of those long-term. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to, to stop it. Uh, hopefully you, you, it'll get people thinking. And as you say, bring it out of the closet and let's talk about it, uh, not just um, hide it away. So hopefully you've gotten some uh, thoughts that will uh, spur some questions or comments. Uh, If you have them, go to the Digital Broker Podcast LinkedIn group, uh, post them there. We'd love to have your feedback and appreciate you uh, listening in on this episode. This is a shout out for uh, Dan Horton. I know that you're listening. Uh, I get an email from you every now and again. It makes me happy. Part of the Horton group a great partner up in Chicago. So I hope you guys are having a good day today. This has been another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with Steve Anderson and Ryan Deeds. Post your questions and comments at the Digital Broker Podcast official LinkedIn group page. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio allows agencies to turn their application and renewal process into a fully digital modern customer experience. The platform comes armed with a preloaded database of smart digital insurance forms and applications, an e-signature solution, auto-generated proposals, and secure document sharing. To learn more about Indio, go to www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's useindio.com slash podcast podcast.